Welcome to the Holy Huga Podcast. I'm Jamie, your host, and I'm really glad you're here. I'm a wife and a mom of five who loves scruffy hospitality and intentional living. In this podcast, I dive into seven of the major pillars that create the popular Danish practice of Huga and how they intersect with the Christian faith. My prayer is that these conversations will help us both create homes that reflect the one whose spirit is making a home in us. Come on in. I got a phone call the other day. It was from a woman I kind of only sort of know. She had just dropped her son off at school and she was in my neighborhood and she wondered if she could swing over to chat. But here's the thing. I was still in my pajamas. I hadn't brushed my teeth and I was already facing an endless list of demands on my time. Three very good reasons, I think, why this wasn't a very convenient time to have someone over. But there was something in her voice. Something about the long pause after she said hello on the other end of the line. Her words were kind of draped in sorrow, in desperation, and I could tell that she was looking for more than just a hot cup of coffee. She was nursing some deep wounds and needed someone who could care for them with tenderness. She needed a listening ear. She needed the touch of Christ in her life. So I had a decision to make. Was I going to let my less than tidy house? my unbrushed hair, my rumpled pajamas, be the noise that drowned out that still small voice of the Spirit? Or would I listen to the prompting that I felt to open my door to this weary one? This is the stuff of hospitality, friends. I'd like to say that I get it right every time, but I'm sure you know that I don't. On this particular day, though, I started the coffee pot and I set out a few muffins in anticipation of this woman's arrival. But to be honest, I didn't do it with an impressive amount of enthusiasm. My welcome mat was laid out, but it was put out a bit begrudgingly, for which now on the other side of the conversation, I'm rightfully remorseful. This woman was reaching for the kind of comfort that can only be found in Christ, and I had almost talked myself out of extending it to her. But my hospitality is a work in progress. And if I were to guess, yours probably is too. That's why I'm thrilled to welcome Christy Anya Buile as we kick off the first Huga Tenant of Hospitality today. So welcome, Christy, to the show. Uh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Well, as we begin, Christy, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself for those of our listeners who might be unfamiliar. Why are you a great person to speak to hospitality? I don't know if I'm a great person to speak about hospitality, but I do love it. And so maybe that's it. I love um, entertaining strangers and calling them friend. And uh, most people who know me, uh, I think I get that from my mom. Mom, You know, there's certain people uh, who you would describe as they never meet a stranger. That's kind of how I grew up. That's how my mom was. I think that's kind of how I am. So, you know, maybe it's genetic. I don't know. (laughs) Or just good modeling, good modeling from my mom. But I do love hosting all kinds of people into my home. And and so, yeah, so I'm excited to talk about this topic. Um, I live in Washington, D.C. with um, my husband. And um, I have two adult daughters who have moved away from home, a teenage son who's still at home. 
and a two-year-old dog who is going to be here forever. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, and then we usually have some other person living in our home with us and or visiting with us. Uh, so right now we have a young lady from church who's living with us. Um, and that's been pretty constant having someone live in our home for a short or a longer periods of time. Um, and then also just guests who happen to come by. So uh, I'm a Bible teacher. I'm a mom, a wife. And I'm an author. So I do other things besides hospitality too. Um, but hospitality is one of the things that I really enjoy. I love the fact that you mentioned you you got this legacy of hospitality from your mother because I think as a mom, I I love seeing my own children sort of embrace it themselves. As I model it and walk it out, maybe clumsily and imperfectly in front of them, then to be able to see them turn around and in their own, you know, teenage elementary school ways be able to extend that hand of hospitality to their friends and do it with such grace and warm-heartedly without regret or in a begrudging way. I I think that that is just a um, line of legacy that we can leave for our children as we welcome others into our home to really invite them to do the same. That's true. And sometimes it, you know, I think the more natural you make hospitality in the context of home and family, the more natural it it looks like to your children. And so a quick example I have of that, my daughter, one of my daughters who, you know, again, they're uh, out of the home. Um, she's been working hard at making sourdough bread and she's gotten really good at it. It's so delicious. And she had opportunity to make sourdough uh, bread for her church's uh, communion service this past Sunday. And she just told me about it as if it was just a little a little thing that she was doing. And I'm like, first of all, sourdough takes a lot of time and a lot of work. Who happens to have sourdough starter laying around where you can just randomly <laughs> offer it to your church? But I think, again, in terms of that legacy, you know, the, that kind of thing has been fairly normal in our home. And so it seemed, you know, she was communicating it as, as a normal thing for her, you know, so I love that. I love the idea that hospitality to her doesn't necessarily mean it has to be in my house. Really, hospitality is just love and action. And that can take place in your church in, you know, at the grocery store. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But what a, you know, you're peeling back the layers of our conversation here and and really giving us a picture for just the many different layers of hospitality. We are often quick to define it as one thing, you know, entertaining people in our home, but it's so much more than that. As we get started today, Christy, I want to just read a verse that I hope will set our gaze on this idea of hospitality and really it's gospel intent. It comes from 1 Peter 4, 8 through 9, and it reads, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As believers, what do you think is behind hospitality? What really is at stake maybe when we don't open our doors or we don't show that love in action? Yeah, I love, that's actually one of my uh, go-to verses as well. And I think what's at stake really, it it may be shocking to a lot of people, but what's at stake to me, I'm reminded of Matthew 25. Uh, and in the latter part of um, 
chapter 25 of Matthew, it really is a section on um, the final judgment. And it's where, you know, when we read that section in the scriptures, we read um, where, um, you know, the son of man, when he comes in his glory, all the angels with him, you know, there'll be all the nations gathered. He's going to separate people, you know, and it talks about the sheep on the right and the goats on the left and all this. And he says uh, in verse um, 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And so I think it's the gospel. It's the gospel lived out, practiced in the community, by the community of faith um, to the nations that's at stake when we are talking about this idea of hospitality. It's not an added extra. It's not an optional. Scripture tells us even in um, Titus and 1 Timothy that one of the qualifications for an elder, an overseer, a uh, a pastor is that he must be hospitable is part and parcel to how he um, ministers to the people of God. And so right where it says he should be able to teach just before that, it says he must be hospitable. And so opening one's heart and home to those who are um, strangers is a vital aspect of how we image to the world who Christ is. And it's even how we have opportunity to communicate the truth of the gospel to people around us. And so I just think hospitality is vital. And it's kind of one of those things that people see as an added extra, or if I feel like it, or if my personality lends itself to it, rather than a vital aspect of how we live out the Christian faith. Right. It's really the bread and butter of our faith, you know, not to not to sound silly or trite, we're giving the wandering ones a place to belong. And so we're really mirroring God's open arms that he extended to us. When we begin to welcome others into our family, we're showing them what it looks like to belong to the family of God. Because at one time we were the wandering ones and he welcomed us into his family. So we're just mirroring back all of that. To the world. Not only were we wandering ones, we were his enemies. And so, you know, it wasn't like we were just passing by on the street and we we're wandering around. Like, no, we were enemies of the cross, opposed to the things of God. And he still reached out um, with his arms of grace and love and mercy with the good news of the gospel and captured us and brought us in and made us family so that we wouldn't, we would no longer be strangers, right? but that we would be heirs with Christ and fellow heirs with one another. And I think that truth should really exhort us or compel us to reach across the aisle to people that we wouldn't naturally, you know, just normally invite. You know, the word hospitality really comes from uh, the root that says, welcome the stranger, not necessarily welcome your best friend. It's sometimes welcoming enemies. If you think about the very last supper that Jesus ate while he was living here on earth, he welcomed one who he knew 
would betray him and yet and yet he welcomed him anyway you know like we can we can feel like we can pick and choose who gets to sit at our table but god says oh no 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 you welcome them and he doesn't put qualifications on who gets invited and who doesn't well is there perhaps an unhealthy view of hospitality christy um even within our christian circles yeah i think kind of along the same lines of um you know when we think of hospitality, I think an unhealthy view of it would say that hospitality is something that you practice if, you know, maybe if you're an extrovert or if you're the kind of person who enjoys maybe having people in your home or thinking that hospitality is only uh, relegated to the confines of home. Um, or there are lots of ways it can look um, unhealthy or people who think that hospitality uh, it has to do with people who are like me in some aspect or people that we know well. And they think you're strange if you, you know, <laughs> if you welcome a stranger into your home. Um, when, as you said, like, that's the, de- that's the definition. It comes from these words, philos, meaning friend, and xenon, meaning um invite or welcome. And so, you know, you're welcoming a stranger, you're inviting and and calling a stranger a friend, making them a friend to you in some way. So it may be something that you practice within the confines of home, or it may be just being kind to a stranger. You know, we read that, uh, I read part of that Matthew 25 passage, and it just talked about, you know, seeing someone thirsty and giving them a drink or um, seeing someone naked and clothing them. So those aren't necessarily things that you have to do within the confines of your, of our home. There are plenty of opportunities outside of our homes in which we can practice this. Uh, But I do think a key element of actually getting to know people and getting to have those gospel conversations would be around the table in some way. Like that's a good and healthy way to view it. Um, But I think we are most un healthy in our view of hospitality if we don't see it as part and parcel to our calling of how we practice the good works that Christ calls us to. There is something wonderful about that table element. I know, and I'm sure you could probably list off examples in your own personal life, but I know for me, my table has been the threshing floor for all kinds of um, things like uh, marital wounds and uh, financial struggles, things that maybe somebody doesn't feel real comfortable sharing in the public sphere, even at church, in a prayer request type situation. Just the comfort level, the familial feeling of sitting at a table. And the table, I I truly believe, is like a great equalizer of humanity because all of us need to eat, you know. When, when you're sitting at the table across from someone, you're sort of looking at them face to face, there is an element of vulnerability there and a trust that happens even amongst strangers where you feel open and welcome to share things that maybe you wouldn't necessarily share otherwise. And so I think it's a really great sort of gateway into even just some of the other areas of Hugo that we'll get into um, Um, in further episodes, just building relationships. So much happens and can start right at the table. And I I think the table is important, but I also want to stress, especially in, you know, today when you think about younger people um, and various living situations where people 
you know, maybe someone doesn't cook, maybe they don't have easy access to, you know, a traditional way in which we think about gathering people around a table. But I've had plenty of amazing opportunities uh, to share my life, to share the gospel with people on a walk, you know, on a bike ride. So uh, again, doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, around a physical table, but in a setting where it's um, easy for people to be open, to be vulnerable, where there's space for that, where there's an element of privacy, um, I think are also, you know, that's also fair game. So I wouldn't want people to think like, oh my gosh, I have to, you know, have this beautiful tablescape and I have to make elaborate meal and I have to, you know, have tons of time. You know, there are lots of ways in which we can practice hospitality um, that's not around the table, but I think you are correct. If we have the opportunity to have a more intimate conversation with someone in a restaurant or in your home around a table, um, that that just lends itself to the kind of conversations we want to be having with family, with friends, and also with the strangers among us. Yeah, if we can just remember that hospitality, again, is just love in action. I remember recently being in uh, the line at Aldi with my daughter, and we had a cart and probably, if I'm being honest, two carts full of food. And uh, two line, two or three lines over, there was a young mom with um, a toddler and then a baby, and both of those children were done. They were done shopping, um, and they were they were making everyone in the store know it. And you could just see the exasperation painted on this mother's face. And my daughter just gingerly got out of line, scooted over two or three aisles over, and just asked the the mom if she could just hold the baby for her so that the mom could check out and and maybe with a little bit more peace. This woman did not know my daughter from Eve, but there was something about a teenager that didn't seem, you know, quite so invasive. And so my daughter was able to show her in action, some love. And that really felt like the touch of Christ. I mean, that's really what it was. And and there wasn't, my daughter didn't give a bunch of scripture references. Um, she didn't whip out her Bible, but she lived out the gospel in showing love in tangible ways to somebody who really needed it. So again, like Christy is saying, it doesn't necessarily happen, always have to happen around the table or in your home. Can you give me some examples, Christy, of how you've seen hospitality, either maybe the hospitality you've extended to others or what has been extended to you that has been a conduit for Christ or gospel connections? Oh, my gosh, that could be a whole episode. <laughs> I'll give a couple of examples to just kind of whet the appetite of just beautiful ways that the Lord has um, used uh, our extending hospitality. Um, and so one is I go to a coffee shop, uh, pretty much every day or as many days as I can, uh, to work. And I've gotten to know everyone in the coffee shop. They're like my friends and family. We give each other hugs when we go in there. It's just really sweet. So, uh, I had been working in there for a while and a one of the guys who works there came up. He's like, "Hey, you, you always have your, you always have your Bible open. You're always doing stuff like, what are you doing?" So I explained to him, you know, I was a writer. I explained to him what I was writing, and he's like, "Oh wow, that's great." He's like, uh, "I've actually been trying to, you know, understand more about the Bible myself." And he literally, he was working in the in the coffee shop, and he sat down, and I was co-working with a friend, and we had about an hour and a half, two hour conversation with this young man about the gospel. 
He was so hungry for the word. So by the end of this two hour conversation, I had to leave. He had to work. And uh, I, I just felt the Lord. I left. But when I left, I just felt the Lord was just like tugging me to, you know, have more conversations with him. So I went back to the coffee shop and I asked for his number and I invited him to our home for dinner. I was like, hey, and other people from our church, they kind of go to this coffee shop too. And I was like, hey, you know, I, you know, you're really interested. Would you like to talk more? If so, I would love for you to come to my house. You know, these other people that you know are going to be there. You can ask all the questions you want. We'll have a good meal, etc. And sure enough, well, I called my husband first and I was, he was, he was a little, he'd had questions when I told him I wanted to invite a strange man into <laughs> over for dinner, but, but he also knew it was just like me. So he was like, okay. Anyway, it ended up being, we had this man over for dinner probably three hours or more. And we read through the gospel, first half of the gospel of uh, Mark. And we just read. And whenever he had a question, he, he, we, he, we told him he could just stop, ask a question. And then people around the table would answer his questions. And it was so beautiful and pure and sweet. And about, a, I would say two thirds of the way through, he said, wow. He said, I've never experienced anything like this before. He said, the only thing I can describe it as, he said, I feel like he said, I feel like I've been eating a meal. I feel full. And I mean, yes, that is what the word of God is, right? It is food. It is meat. It, it fills it. So anyway, that's one example. Um, and, and that just was like, just so, you know, prime. The Lord just orchestrated that. Another example, this one, I kind of have gotten to know the children who live in the apartment building behind my house. And that's a longer story about how I got connected with them. But they come to my house. I've been watching these kids grow up for about, I would say about four years now. And they come to my house and they get popsicles, little freeze pop things. And so first it was one or two kids and then they would bring a friend and they would bring a friend. And so now there's like probably two dozen kids in my neighborhood who only know me as Miss Christie, the lady who gives out the popsicles and the water. and. I've gotten to know them so much that they, I started catechizing them. They would come over and for popsicles. And I was like, um, you know, y'all get a lot of popsicles from my house. Like, I think you need to earn these popsicles somehow. And so they had to earn them by, I would tell, teach them a catechism question, who made you? And then they would have to provide the answer. God made me. I coached them through it, obviously. And to the point where we were getting through so many of the questions and then when they would bring their friends over, their friends would say, oh, no, you can't have a popsicle until you answer her questions. And they would help each other answer questions and quiz each other. And it's just been a sweet, beautiful relationship building with the kids in my neighborhood. Um, and now I just keep like tons of Christian books on my bookshelf. I keep coloring pages. I keep pencils. So when they come over, they can come over for five or 10 minutes. We can talk. I can read them a book. They can ask questions. So I'm just making myself available. They were already coming and I'm just adding a layer to our relationship uh, so that they get to know Jesus. And also, you know, we get to build a relationship together. Um, so those are just a couple of, you know, really specific and just God orchestrated kinds of things. Uh, but then again, like I said, we have people living in our home a lot. And so just making ourselves available to people within the church, within our community, uh, people who are just passing through visiting somehow and, uh, and, and, and having our home ready 
to receive visitors and guests is just a blessing. And then one other quick thing I'll say is, you know, we all go to church on, on Sundays. And so I try to have an option available <laughs> if we have an unannounced, unplanned for guest over after church, you know. Uh, so sometimes we have planned guests who come over, but sometimes we don't. We're not planning to have anyone over. Like last week or a couple weeks ago, we weren't planning to have anyone over. Somebody was just passing through. I invited them over for lunch. And then I was like, oh, snap, what are we going to eat? And uh, just th- thankfully, you know, we had some food that was already prepared. And I just added some rice to it and we and we made it a meal. So just kind of setting up your home and your family in such a way that it makes it easy. Uh, it didn't feel like a burden. It didn't feel like I had to go out on an extra limb to do it. Um, and then they were happy, you know, to have the fellowship time. And we were too. I love all those examples. I think it speaks to the fact that hospitality doesn't have to be real hard. Like you, if you just begin to see each one of your interactions as like a divine appointment and just being fully present right where you're at to meet the needs um, that are right in front of you in whatever whatever way you are able to, knowing that really it's it's Christ who's meeting their needs and you're just kind of the conduit for it. It reminds me... Um, when when we lived uh, in a different town, we we actually lived in what would be considered for that town is like the bad side or the bad neighborhood. And we were surrounded by a lot of brokenness and broken families, broken homes, um, kids in some really rough situations. And and we homeschool, so our kids didn't go to the public school, but we we like to have our home open and available to get to know the families in the neighborhood and the kids in the neighborhood. So my husband built this giant Uh, We didn't have a tree in our backyard, but he built this giant fort that could act like a tree house. And you could see it anywhere in the neighborhood. That's how tall it was. I think it was like 20 feet off the ground. And it was a kid magnet in our neighborhood. And so we would have kids every day after school, sort of at the edge of the driveway, waiting to see if our kids were done with homeschooling. And we would even drive up to down the street, coming home from church on Sunday, and kids would follow us. It was like the Pied Piper car. They'd follow us um, right up to our driveway, just waiting to be able to you know, play in the fort. And just one simple little thing suddenly opened up why the doors of the entire neighborhood and all the kids, just because we were able to use something tangible to hopefully um, affect their inward life. And that really is like at the heart of what Huga is. Well, what are some, and you shared some, but I'm wondering if you have any other practical ideas that we can give to those who are listening for welcoming others with this open arm of hospitality, any, you know, hospitality go-tos that have really made it easier for you to welcome others either into your home or just as you're out in the community and, and living out hospitality? Yeah, there's, there's quite a few. I'll try to rattle off a few things that, um, have made it easy for us is one, we live in a city with obvious needs on every corner. And so there are plenty of opportunities, uh, to, to serve, to help, um, to practice those things that you know I mentioned again and from Matthew 25 but uh, to help me become more like mindful about showing compassion and those kinds of things I usually try to keep a stash of small bills in my purse or in my car so that if someone stops me on the street and they're looking for you know a couple of bills I can I can do that and I started doing that because really because my kids, we would be in the car and they're eating a Happy Meal or French fries or something. And, you know, a homeless person 
knocks on the window and asks for money. And my kids would feel bad because they're sitting there eating French fries and we don't have a dollar or two to give to this stranger who knocks on our window. So that, that kind of started that for me. And I, you know, I know people have different views on, you know, whether or not to give a, a, a person, a, a homeless person or a stranger on the street cash, but I entrust that to the Lord. I know the Lord um, is looking at my heart in giving. And so then I entrust that giving to him and pray that the person receiving it will do you know, something useful and beneficial with, you know, with that cash. Um, so that's one thing, making hospitality easy, like I said, by, you know, preparing my heart, preparing my home, preparing my family, um, and making sure that we're all on the same, you know, on the same, we're all in the same place and on board um, with just how hospitality works in our family. And then just preparing my heart to be looking for opportunities to serve and, um, and to give and extend ourselves in some way and having like go-to meals and quick ways to pick up your home, you know, so there are certain go-to meals that are really quick and really simple that I have just memorized and that I can whip them together in like 20 minutes or so. Um, quick ways to pick up your home, just having, you know, having boxes and bins that you can drop stuff in real quick if you need to tidy up real quick. Um, keeping you know, like quick cook items in the fridge or freezer. And also having a heart that says it's not about what my house looks like. So even if my home is messy, not feeling stressed out about it, but like, and we tell people this all the time, hey, our home is very lived in. So you are getting the lived in experience, the experience of a lived in home, you know, when you come here and that just takes pressure off of me and it takes pressure off of them. And I hope it models a sense that you don't have to have everything all together. Dishes can be piled up. You know, you have to clear stuff off the table. That's fine. Um, and people really don't care at the end of the day. Um, and this being okay with ordering in, like if something impromptu happens and you don't have food prepared, don't go out of your way going crazy trying to, you know, you know, cook a whole meal, particularly if that's not something that you enjoy a lot. But being okay with ordering something in or going to a restaurant, keeping clean bedding ready to go and if someone needs a place to sleep or a place to stay, um, making sure that your children um, are comfortable depending on the space that you have in a home. Like they know who needs to share with whom if someone kind of comes up last minute and needs a place to stay, um, that sort of thing. So, um, and then, you know, I gave the example about, about the children who come over and I have a, a shelf in my office. And like I said, it has books, it has coloring pages, it has pens and colored pencils. I have a little basket with a to- uh, that has a couple of toys in it for toddlers, like you know, one and two year old kids, if they come over and their parents forget to bring something for them to keep, you know, keep busy. And uh, so those are just some simple things that I do to set up my space in a way that makes hospitality easy. Um, And then, you know, as far as, you know, people, uh, you know, we talked about around the tables. Uh, We have, whenever someone comes to our house for the first time, normally, uh, and this was when my kids were younger, we would always have what the kids call yummy chicken. That was kind of like our go-to meal. If you came to our house the very first time, you would always get yummy chicken. So my kids knew if I was making yummy chicken, they would be like, who's coming over? Um, 
And then, yeah, it was just one of, you know, again, one of those quick meals that are, you know, really delicious, but simple to make and just kind of having those go-to recipes and meals and things that I can point to. And then finally, I would say, be willing to ask for help, not only in your home, but outside your home. So young singles or married couples with no kids or another family with kids, partnering with another family or another individual and doing hospitality together is also really fun. I love the fact that you mentioned yummy chicken because if my kids were here, they'd say that our dish is fettuccine Alfredo. They know if we're having chicken fettuccine Alfredo, someone is coming to dinner. That's kind of my go-to. And I love the idea of, you know, making hospitality an easier yes for you by just preemptively getting a few preparations in order, making a short list of, you know, five meals, writing it on a, a note card, sticking it on the back of a cupboard. That's just an easy go-to. You know, I, I know I have all the ingredients for these things on hand pretty much all the time. And I don't have to be stuck in analysis paralysis um, before inviting someone because I know I just have an easy sort of crowd-pleasing meal. Our youngest son actually has a a bed. It's a bunk bed and there's only one of him in the room. But we have that intentionally now. We didn't get rid of it even though he's not sharing a room with anyone anymore because then when someone does need to crash at our house, and actually it's happening this weekend, we have a, a man who just needs a place to land for the weekend. I can easily, you know, move one of my other sons into my youngest son's room knowing there's a bed for him. He doesn't have to d be displaced to the floor or the couch, but I can offer this person an entire room, um, a safe place just for himself. And, and then it kind of gives the siblings a chance to, you know, cuddle up to one another again for a short time and then be able to return to the room. But we intentionally kept the bunk bed for that reason. So I think it does take a little bit of intentionality to have an open hand, but it, I think sometimes we make it just a whole lot more difficult than it needs to be. Yeah. I like to talk about it in terms of like reducing friction. So as much as possible, where you feel friction, coming up with a plan or a system or something that helps to reduce that friction, that sense of like, oh my gosh, you know, I, you know, I can't, you know, practice hospitality because of this. And again, I think about it as a command, as a, as a necessary aspect of how I live out my faith. And so I'm working to make space uh, for how to practice hospitality well. How is the way, Christy, that a Christian practices hospitality different from, say, the way the world displays it? Because I think that there's no end to, you know, hospitable living out in the world. But I think that ours should reflect a little bit different or land a little bit different. So how how is it different? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to your definition of hospitality as love and action. And I think, you know, anyone could, could do that, right? But I, I guess if I were to tweak it, I would say, love of Christ in action, right? And so I think it's not so much the outward thing that's that we're doing in terms of the practice, but it's the inward mindset that I am doing this in obedience to Christ and out of my love for Christ and out of a desire to live my life in a way that pleases and honors Christ, right? And so I want to be... Um, a Christian who is believing the gospel, but then also practicing those good works as a demonstration of, um, as an as an outward expression of what 
the Lord has done in my heart and in my life. Right. And so, um, so I think in terms of a, a Christian versus, you know, someone who's not yet a Christian, it really is that inward attitude of heart. And in everything that we do, we're doing it um, out of our love and out of um, uh, a heart for, ser- for, for serving others and everything that we're doing, we're doing for the glory of God and because of our love for Christ. Um, so that really is the biggest difference. The outward things may look exactly the same, but our motivations are different too, right? Because we either as believers want to have opportunities to share the gospel or to live in such a distinctly Christ-oriented way that the gospel is winsome to people who are not yet believers, or if we're entertaining strangers who are fellow believers, we want to be building one another up in love, in love that comes from, um, you know, that comes from the Holy Spirit um, because of our shared faith in Christ. So to me, it's just, it's the inward motivation and attitude of heart that's Christ-centered, Christ-oriented, that makes hospitality different. It reminds me of Romans fifteen seven, and I'll read it if I may. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And welcome here means to receive, to take by the hand, to to take to oneself. So I think the difference between hospitality and and we'll just say entertaining, which is kind of the world's, often the world's definition of hospitality. I think the difference between the two is found in those last five words, for the glory of God. And that's exactly what you were just saying. Well, what would you say to the hesitant host, the one who, you know, can give a lengthy list of reasons? You know, my house is too small. It's too cluttered, too noisy. I'm not a good cook you know, fill in the blank. What would you say to the woman who would like to be hospitable, but she feels held back by that lengthy list of things? Yeah, I would just say find an alternative. Like, so, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, when we say, you know, my house is too small or I can't cook or this or that, um, those are kind of, for lack of a better word, I'll say like the excuses that we come up with that may be stemming from other things. You know, maybe there's some sort of, you know, fear or shame or guilt. So I would confess anything that needs to be confessed that maybe those barriers, you know, that are maybe stirring up those barriers or causing those barriers to come to the fore. Um, And then secondly, just um, finding alternatives. So if your house is too small, I mean, it probably isn't. First of all, it probably isn't. If it's a if it's a space big enough for you, it's a space big enough for one more. But let's just say for argument's sake, your house really is too small. I mean, all of us have had to shift a lot of our activities outside over the past couple of years. And so, you know, you can find some place where you can meet outside. You can have a picnic on the patio. You can go for a walk. You can meet at a restaurant. You can go to a park. I mean, there's so many. So I'm just saying, think creatively about uh, ways that you can um, uh, kind of alleviate whatever that tension or point of friction is uh, when you're thinking about reasons why you can't show hospitality. You can't cook. No worries. That's what Grubhub is for. That's what Uber Eats is for. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then again, partner with people and really give it over to the Lord. I, I strongly believe that 
Hospitality is what we do. It's a key aspect of practicing the good works that Christ has called us to. And so I would prayerfully consider how can I live this out even with the limitations that I have before me, whether it's that I can't cook, whether it's my house is too small or whatever else, other kinds of things we come up with. And I would really prayerfully ask the Lord to show you how you might be able to um, practice hospitality. And again, partner with people, find a buddy, find another family, find a friend. Um, And maybe it's only once a month or once a quarter, you know, something that's doable for you, but find a way that you can, um, you know, incorporate this practice into into your Christian life. And I can guarantee you, you will be blessed as much, if not more, than the person that you have happened to be serving uh, through your hospitality. Amen and amen. I can echo that. I think hospitality is a give and take. And as much as you pour out, you will receive, you know, abundantly more. I love the idea of partnering with someone else because I know from experience, sometimes inviting a total stranger over to my house, you can stare across the table and, you know, chit chat will only go so far, but having one or two other people there to sort of add to the conversation, it really helps to keep things moving at a nice natural clip. So it's not so awkward. So that is a really good idea to keep in mind. Yeah. I'll just add one other quick thing I thought about on that note. I remember when we were much, uh, our, you know, children were much younger and we would, we were had, um, we were spending a lot of time with college students or recent college grads and they would team up and because they lived in, they might've lived in dorms or small apartments and didn't have space. Or so they thought they would say, Hey, can we make lasagna and bring it to your, your, your home? And we'll, we'll bring the meal and you guys, you know, have the house. <laughs> and so we did, we would also do that. And that was a huge blessing because I didn't have to cook. My kids didn't have to leave. Everybody could get the bed to bed at the normal hour. And our young friends would bring a meal over to us. So that's another thing to consider. Like if you're going to partner with somebody and you also have a small space, bring the meal to the person that you're that you're serving. That's such a great reminder. You know, I live in a college town and I'm surrounded by college students all the time and I can easily talk myself out of inviting them thinking, oh, I'm in a totally different season of life. What what do they want to hang out with a middle-aged woman and her really loud kids for? But I'm constantly reminded when I do have the courage to send an invitation that these are young people that are missing the familial connections of a family. And so when I welcome them at my table, it's like I'm saying, you belong here. You can be, you know, we'll surrogate you for the season so that you can feel like you have a place to belong. And don't we all really crave belonging? I think it's hardwired in us, all of us. So as we close today, Christy, I have one more question. One of the core foundations of Huga is that the outward life will always affect the inward life. So I want to know, what is one outward something that you've enjoyed lately that has really helped to reorient your inward life? And it doesn't necessarily have to do with hospitality, but maybe it does. Recently, I've been, um, I exercise off and on, but uh, past few months, I really have committed myself to regular exercise. And I tell myself that it's my it's my daily it's my daily medicine, you know, or if you were a person who's, you know, has to take insulin every day or something like it's my daily medicine. I don't give myself room or excuse or reason not to not do it. And 
I um, am right now I'm working with a trainer and my goal is to be able to do one pull up, just one pull up. I have not been able to do it yet. I have not lost a single pound. However, over the course of the three months, I know that I've gotten stronger um, physically. You know, I can do way more pushups than I could do when I first started. I can do, you know, I can hold a plank for like minutes, you know, which I could never do before. And so though that outward practice of consistently exercising, it's not giving me the benefit that I had thought that it would give me, right? When I wanted to like lose weight and do a pull-up, but I am receiving benefits that I had not expected. And I'm really grateful for that. And because I've, you know, uh, committed myself to this practice, it also has been so helpful to me in my spiritual life of just, you know, um, rooting me and grounding me in a discipline that's very simple, that's helping me to see, okay, my spiritual life can be this disciplined and this simple as well. And knowing that the time that I invest in God's word, again, it's just like exercise. It may not produce the benefits that, or, you know, I may not get prayers answered in the way that I had prayed or in the way I had anticipated or a particular prayer answered. Um, but the Lord blesses that time. And I do receive many, many benefits that I would not have imagined or and could not have expected. And it sounds like you're honoring a commitment you kind of made to yourself. I love that. I would say my answer recently, I've begun wearing lipstick for no other reason than I just, it makes me feel good. I'm not going anywhere. I don't need to impress anyone. I just slap a little bit of color on my lips and instantly my I smile a bit broader. So thank you so much for joining me, Christy. This has just been so delightful and hospitality, I can tell, is just one of your giftings because you speak it so well, the language of love and action. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a joy. Well, tell us how people can best connect with you, Christy, if they want to learn more, learn about your books and your ministry. Yeah. Um, mostly you can find me on Instagram. That's kind of where, where I hang out most of the time. But I also have a website. If you can spell my name, uh, com. you can go there and um, and find out what I'm up to there. Uh, but mostly on Instagram and I'm on the other socials as well. Uh, so would love to connect with folks. And if you go to my website, you can sign up for uh, my, um, you can sign up on my email list and uh, would love to meet you there as well. Well, in the wake of the last two, two and a half years of isolation and exile, our family, friends, and neighbors are all emotionally bankrupt. They crave connection. But what they really need most of all is Christ. And when we open our doors in hospitable love for others, we have an opportunity to point them to the open arms of a Savior. We act as His ambassadors. And if we're willing, our homes can be the backdrop for kingdom work. I'm so glad that I answered the door in my pajamas a few days ago. I broke a bit of bread with someone, and in doing so, I was able to share with her the bread of life. My part in the whole thing was aggressively mediocre, please believe me in that. But my small offerings of coffee and muffins and just a listening ear hopefully pointed her towards the big, lavish love of Jesus. 
Thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to know more about Hugo Lee Hospitality, I'd encourage you to grab a copy of my book, Holy Hugo, Creating a Place for People to Gather and the Gospel to Grow. And be sure to tune in next time when we'll be talking about the Hugo tenet of relationships, which Christy touched on a bit. So that kind of set the stage. For now, I'd just like to send you off with a benediction to help you create a home that reflects the one whose spirit is making a home in you. And that's found in Psalm 121, verses 5 through 8. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen.